Awesome. So um, it's really great to be with you guys. Uh, such early stages in your church plant. Uh, this doesn't feel like a church plant, by the way. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and call that for what it is. Not fair. Um, you guys are starting off um, with a bang, which is awesome. Um, and I love the series that you're in here, this, this whole idea of what, is it, what does it look like to encounter Jesus? Um, because that's, that's what this is all about. Uh, this is not about another church in town. This isn't about, you know, anything other than account, encountering Jesus. And that's what it should be about at the beginning, and it's what it should always be about. You should be able to dip in out of here 20 years from now, if, you know, if Jesus hasn't returned. And what's it look like on a Sunday morning? Oh, we're, we're looking at what it looks like to encounter Jesus. Uh, maybe the series titles change, but that's what this church should always be about. Um, if you're here and you're just checking out Christianity, uh, man, a couple of things. One, I think that's awesome. This is a really safe church to explore who Jesus is, to explore what it means to be a Christian, to ask all kinds of questions. We take you seriously. We take your, your, your questions seriously. Um, it, also, if I make awkward eye contact with you, it, it's, it's not intentional. I'm just weird. And so I, I, um, I don't have a list of people, you know, uh, that I'm supposed to stare at, you know, really like meaningfully or something like that. Um, but man, I, I just, you know, if you're here and you're just checking this whole thing out, I want to say that Jesus is different than you think he is. I'm sure of that. Um, and by different, I mean he's way better. He is just way better. And so um, I just encourage you to keep, keep plugging in, keep asking questions, keep learning about how Jesus is because he's incredible. Um, so um, the other, other group of people in the room are probably, you know, people who've been, a Christ been Christians a while. You may have been Christian longer than I've been alive. Um, and, um, and I think a series like this is so good for us too because uh, it's really good for us to remember what it looks like to encounter Jesus. It's good for us to remember how much we need to, continuing, to continually encounter Jesus. And, um, and that's because I think over time, you know, as, as we kind of, you know, follow Jesus, over time, it, a lot of times we end up, uh, we end up creating, we end up changing Jesus to look like us, not us changed to look like him. And so when we get back to, to things like this, it's like, oh, that's what it looks like. That means that's what it should look like for me. Um, so, um, when people met uh, Jesus, there was never really any mixed reviews, uh, or sorry, any like neutrality. It, it, was, it was either uh, you loved him or, or you hated him. Um, and, and typically it was these kind of rule-keeping, self-righteous uh, leaders um, who, who rejected Jesus. And it was these, these like rebellious, rule-breaking, you know, people who didn't fit in society, people who just ended up falling in love with Jesus. Um, which is kind of a surprising thing when you, when you look at modern-day Christianity um, in America. But that, that's what it looked like. That's who the followers were, and that's who the people were who rejected Jesus. Rule keepers had a hard time with Jesus, and rule breakers loved him. They loved him, and, he, and they, got, they got swept up into this relationship with him, and their whole world got changed. And, and we'll, we'll look at one of those situations today. But it's just good for us to remember that this Jesus that we're talking about didn't die of old age, you know, reading some, like, great novel in a rocking chair, watching his grandkids play, he was, he was murdered. He, he was viciously murdered, and it was by the hands of a bunch of self-righteous rule keepers. And so when we look at this real Jesus, it, it's meant to, uh, we should just go in knowing, oh, we're probably going to get offended here, you know, because he's offensive. He's offensive, but it's, it's, it's beautiful, and it's so life-giving, it's so good. So I want to read to you one of my favorite stories of someone encountering uh, Jesus. Um, and I, I just love this story uh, for all kinds of reasons, but I'll, I'll, we'll just read from Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. So uh, Jesus and his disciples are in a boat. They come to the other side of the sea, uh, to the country of the Gerasenes. And uh, when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, 
No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and, and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he fell down before him and crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. Definitely one of the creepiest verses in the whole Bible, right? Um, and he begged him earnestly do not, not to send him out into the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. Now the herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described it to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. But he, Jesus, did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Uh, it's a crazy story, uh, no doubt about it, and, and probably the one you might expect someone who looks like me to think is great. Um, <laughs> there's all kinds of, you know, there's dead animals, there's all, you know, there's all kinds of stuff here. Um, but um, I, I love this story because it shows us so much about what, like, what it looks like to encounter Jesus. Um, the first thing I think that's just so obvious, but you know, doesn't, maybe isn't obvious um, if you aren't familiar with who Jesus is, um, or if you've been in church a really long time and you kind of like, like your jam is living in the Christian bubble, like you buy your you know, olive oil and like your pasta from a Christian bookstore, like if that's kind of your world, um, then like this is, this is something that's like really hard for us to see. And that's that Jesus encountered marginalized people. Um, I mean, no matter who you are, gosh, your heart probably goes out to this guy. I mean, let's just recap. He's got this unclean spirit. We're not sure what that is. Oh, it turns out to be a legion of demons. Um, he lives among the tombs. Uh, no one can bind him. People had tried. Uh, he's screaming out all the time, all night long. He's cutting himself. Um, I mean, by all rights, he's unfixable. Um, he's definitely a nuisance. He's certainly a danger to society. Um, I mean, I, as a dad with little kids, you know, um, Wyatt, who's four, has just started kind of saying he's scared, you know, of, of all kinds of things. And we, we think it's just his way to, you know, get more goldfish crackers or something. But like he, you know, he's, he's saying he's afraid. That's a typical thing. I remember as a little kid being scared a lot at night. I reckon the kids who lived by this guy were pretty scared at night, uh, hearing this all night long, um, knowing that this, this wasn't a figment of their imagination. This was a real person. Um, this is what his life looked like. Um, and, um, you know, again, I don't know all of you, so some of you might be like this guy. I mean, you, you dressed up because it's church, but like on the inside, you might be like this guy. You know, um, you might be in a really tragic place. You, you might be, um, it's interesting, this man was cutting himself. That might be a, a situation you're finding yourselves in right now. 
You may have tried a lot of things. Um, it may be um, addiction. Um, my brother was a, you know, he was a heroin, Xanax, you know, every, he was an everything addict uh, for about 20 years. Um, and, you know, I watched, I watched his life just, just be such utter chaos and destruction. And um, he's, you know, through a crazy series of events, um, Jesus set him free. It wasn't the way he wanted to, but it happened. And, um, but his life, to me, looks a lot like this guy's life looked. And maybe that's how your life feels. Um, your tragic situation may have ruined all kinds of relationships like this guy. He's by himself. His family's nowhere to be seen. And um, again, maybe you're here and it's just like smile, act happy, look natural. But on the inside, you know, there's a lot going on. Um, the, the reason I, I draw that out is not to make you feel awkward or sad, but it's to help you see that um, Jesus cares about your situation. He cares about you, and he knows the situation you're in. And I think today you're going to get to see how Jesus can help you. Um, so Jesus in- encounters this, this, this person, um, and, uh, and, and that, I think, sometimes can be a bit surprising too because um, sometimes we've got this idea of Jesus that he, you know, signed Bibles all day, and he, you know, um, at the Christian bookstore, and he, like, lived in a gated Christian community and, um, you know, just hung out at Christian conferences, um, but that's not what Jesus' life looked like. It was full of these just nonstop encounters with people who had been just marginalized and rejected by society. Um, and if that's what Jesus' life looked like, I, I think that's what our lives should look like. I think that's what our church should feel like, right? Um, this is just different than what a lot of us have taken as normal. Um, Jesus let with, met with them. Um, outlaws and prostitutes and lepers and demon-possessed people and all kinds of people that he wasn't supposed to be around, you know? Okay, so he encountered people like that, but that's, that's something that just happens. Um, it, doesn't see, it doesn't seem here in the text like Jesus knew that guy was living there and that he intentionally went there. It just seems like this guy busted up in there. And, and so, uh, you know, he's, he encounters this guy, but I mean, you know, all of us encounter people from time to time that are a little crazy, you know? Um, does that make Jesus a hero? Well, there's more to the story. He doesn't just encounter him. The next thing we see is Jesus engaged this guy. He, he engaged broken people. He, um, as soon as he steps out of the boat, he's met with this terrifying person who I think if any of us, I mean, we, we live on a little island town, um, and you, you've got to go places by boat in our town, um, and, and it's, it's beautiful, but um, I, I imagine if I rocked up on a boat trip with my wife and my kids, we pulled up to some little island to have a, a little day, you know, together, and this dude came out of the bushes, like, we're going to throw it in reverse as fast as possible, you know? Like, we're leaving Yeti coolers, whatever. Like, we're leaving it all behind. Like, the guy can have it, you know? Um, <laughs> Jesus here doesn't, doesn't take off, you know? Um, I, I, I am, we're going to go hang out in D.C. tomorrow. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm preparing myself for, we're probably going to run into a couple of weirdos, you know, but we all know how to, we know the rules there. You know, you, uh, you know, you, you walk on the other side of the street, you don't make eye contact with them, you pretend you have a gun, you know, like these are the things we, <laughs> we know to do. When we encounter someone that is freaky like this person, we know what to do. Walk the other way, get away, tell your kids not, to, you know, like that, that's what we know to do. That's not what Jesus did. He didn't ignore him, but he didn't mock him. He didn't insult him. He, some of you, you don't know Jesus yet. And so you imagine Jesus would say, what's wrong with you? Put some clothes on. Stop cutting yourself. Stop drawing some attention to yourself. Uh, th- this is what we imagine Jesus to be like. But that's not what he did. He didn't run away from his pain. He ran into it. Jesus wasn't put off by him. 
He wasn't intimidated by him. He cared about him. He wanted to get involved. And again, I mean, if you're here and you don't yet know Jesus, I'm I'm sure we're we're, we're getting at some of the stuff that just feels uniquely different. Like, I didn't know Jesus was like that. Well, it gets better. He um, encountered him, he engaged him, and then Jesus delivered him. Jesus delivered people from their misery. And he didn't have to do that. He could have said, not my problem. He could have said, you, you got yourself into this? You have to get yourself out and let that be a lesson to the rest of you. Don't play with Ouija boards, all right? That, that's, that's what we did all through the 80s and, you know, 90s. We, we, would, we would take opportunities like this to just say, and see, that's why, you know, that's why we shouldn't, whatever. Um, Jesus doesn't use this as an example to dish out tough love. Um, he, he, he delivers this man. And it's not even a, a really a fair fight. Um, you know, if, if, if you guys are like into watching like UFC or boxing or anything like that, I mean, this is one of those you'd want your money back kind of fights. Um, I mean, the, the thing hasn't even started. And, and like Jesus, all Jesus is doing is saying, come out of him, come out of him. And, and the, the demons are begging, like just, just you know, it, it, total surrender. Um, Jesus has this incredible power and he uses it to set this man free. And, and again, if you're here and you're like this guy, um, it might make you think, well, gosh, I wonder if Jesus could do that for me. Would Jesus do that for me? What about the, the people in our community who feel like that? Well, Jesus does this stuff so much that we know this isn't some isolated event. This is just who Jesus is. Jesus delivers people who are in bad situations. And if you're in a, a broken, scary, tragic place right now, Again, with all your church clothes on and your I'm fine, I'm fine language that we all use at church when no one's fine. Man, Jesus cares for you and Jesus can help you. And it's just good to remember, I mean, um, because we come to church and that's like the language we all use. How you doing? I'm fine, I'm fine. I mean, nobody's fine. I read this quote a couple years ago. It says, um, be kind because everybody you meet is fighting a great battle. And I've just found that to be so true. I mean, 10 years of... Um, being a pastor, um, the last year of, 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 you know, my role with the first responders, man, it's just sad everywhere. Uh, somebody asked me, you know, in our church, they said, well, like, what neighborhoods are really getting affected by heroin? Let's just go target those neighborhoods. And, I, and my answer was, your neighborhood, and your neighborhood, and your neighborhood, and your, because I've been in all those neighborhoods, multi-million dollar homes, trailer parks, there's sadness everywhere. And Jesus wants to help, and Jesus can help. Um, Jesus encounters him. He engages this guy. He delivers this guy. And, and then we see something that's just really beautiful and easy to miss at the same time. And that's that Jesus prioritized and valued, and valued people who society had just deemed worthless. It's uh, easy to miss this part of the story if you're not a pig farmer. Um, but uh, if you remember what happened here, Thousands of pigs drowned. Now, if you're new to the Bible and you're wondering, uh, what's the deal with the pigs? I don't know. Um, that's the truth. I don't know. I don't know why the demons went in the pigs. It'd be one of my first questions in heaven, maybe. Um, I, I, like, I like bacon. Maybe that's why they wanted to do it. Um, I don't know what the deal was with the pigs. But, um, but the fact of the matter is that thousands of pigs died. And, uh, and those pigs didn't, you know, they didn't belong to Jesus. They belonged to these herdsmen. And so some of you, if you're reading this, you're thinking, gosh, um, surely Jesus 
did not kill some other dude's pigs without at least asking first. I mean, there's nothing polite about that. Now, maybe the idea of being a pig farmer is lost on you. We got a lot of pig farmers where I live, so this one I understand. Uh, imagine you owned a car dealership, and uh, Jesus cast, you know, these demons into a bunch of brand new cars, and 2,000 cars drove off a you know, ditch embankment, and it all exploded, right? That, that's how these guys felt. This was their livelihood. This, this, this was like what they depended on. Uh, this was their, this is their, uh, how they made their, their income. And, and Jesus just has 2,000 pigs killed, just like that, right? And, and I thought about this before. Like, I mean, there's, is there like a Dead Sea Scroll, like, you know, deal where, where uh, you know, Jesus works out like a, a negotiation with these guys, you know, like, hey, um, this guy's extremely strong. Watch him, he breaks chains. It's amazing. Uh, he can be useful on the farm, you know, like this kind of situation. Like, is that what goes on here? Is that, is that what, what, what Jesus works out with these guys? Why does Jesus not even bother to consult them? Well, there's a couple reasons. And again, if you're new to Christianity, it's great for you to know Jesus is God and he owns everything. He can do whatever he wants. Um, so that's priority number one. He owns the pigs. He owns the whole earth. The second thing is, though, Jesus has his priorities straight. And he knows that this man is more valuable than these pigs. But that's not what society thought. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. If, if you're here and, and you wonder, um, is anything, like, is my, is my life worth anything? Like, is, is, there, is there any value to my life? Maybe you, you've, you've um, maybe you look over your shoulder, and you've got more regret than you have things to be proud of. Um, maybe you're here and you suffer from just depression and, and suicidal thoughts and just a sense that your life doesn't have any worth or value. Um, man, I, I hope that you can see through this, Jesus cares about you. He, he values you. He, he, thinks, he thinks you're worth way more than you think you're worth. And I hope this, this morning you can... Before we're done here, you can, you can see what he was willing to give up for you. Um, one more quick thing we see here from this man. So he encounters, Jesus encounters people like this. He engages them. He delivers them. He, he values them. Um, and then the next thing I think is just so beautiful. Jesus, um, he, he, he gave people that he saved a reason to live. He, he gave people that he saved a reason to live. Um, Jesus could have easily said, hey, my work here is done. My good deed's done for the day. You know, you're on your own. God bless you. You know, get out there. Good luck. You know, see you on the other side. I mean, there's all these things Jesus could have said, right? Um, but that's not what Jesus does. He doesn't leave this guy sitting by the roadside clueless. He, 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 he gives him something to do. And if you're here and you're, you're newer to, to Christianity, uh, maybe you're just kind of, a, you've just recently become a, a Christ follower um, you're going to have people who are going to try, they're going to mean the best. They're going to try to help you know what to do with all this time you've got on your hands now. And, um, you know, they may say, here, here's a bunch of charts you can look at. They'll tell you exactly when Jesus is coming back. Um, I would tell you to avoid that conversation. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's not, what, not what we're here for. Um, but I would tell you that Jesus has a mission for your life. That he's not just going to leave you by the roadside clueless. Good luck out there. Fingers crossed you don't screw this up. See you on the other side. That's not how Jesus uh, treats any of us. Once he, once he saves us, he gives us a, a reason to live. And so 
what Jesus does here now with this guy is exactly what he does with all of us. Uh, the, the first thing is he's, um, we, we see this kind of interesting interchange where the guy who'd been possessed by the demons tries to get in a boat with Jesus, and it says Jesus uh, did not permit him. Um, now, that sounds instantly offensive, like Jesus is saying, I don't want you in my boat. I know you're clean now, but you used to be smelly, and you know, I, I, know, you're, I know you're in your right mind now, but you're kind of crazy, and you can get dangerous on a boat. Or, that's not what's going on here. And Jesus isn't like, I don't want to be associated with people like you. I was happy to help you, but move along. That, that's not what's happening. Uh, Jesus is not rejecting this man. He's, he's redirecting him because he gives him a purpose. It's just saying, hey, get in the boat with me and running away from all the problems and all the people you knew and all that. that, that that's, not, that's not how this looks. But I do have a purpose for you. So he, he turns him around and says, go home. Um, and that go is to go under someone's authority. It, Jesus isn't saying, here's an idea. You can vote on it. No, he's saying, go, go home. Go, go to your friends, he, he carries on. Go to your friends, your people, the people who know you, the people who've seen all this, who've, who've watched this, who've, who've watched your, your, your life be so, so painful and destructive for all these years. Go to those people and, and tell them what happened to you. Verse 19. Um, I have noticed through the years, being a Christian, that we are really good at telling other people's stories. Oh, I got a good one. I heard about so-and-so, they were selling crack to so-and-so, and blah, blah, blah. And we're great at telling other people's stories, you know? But, but um, there's something powerful about your story. Here's what happened to me. That's what Jesus said. He didn't say, go tell them about what happened to somebody else. He said, go tell them what happened to you. And then he specifies, Here, here's how that story goes, by the way. Tell them what the Lord has done for you how he had mercy on you. Okay, so this is different than the story that sometimes we tell, which is, yeah, I knew I was, uh, had a cussing problem, and the old wife wouldn't leave me alone, so I went to church, and yep, don't cuss much anymore, you know, did it. Or I, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. I'd, New Year's resolution was I was going to quit drinking. I went to church, and that's not the story. That's, that's not what the story is. That, that's not what the story is for any of us. The story here is, look what happened, like, Look what the Lord has done for you. He had to do something for you. And then specifically how he had mercy on you. And that word mercy means pity. And so Jesus says, here's the story. You needed help because you were pitiful. And go tell everybody that. And again, I've just been around Christianity long enough to know that's not the story that we often tell. We like to tell that story about other people. Oh, they were pitiful. Thank God he showed up because it was just in the nick of time. <laughs> but like, the, we don't necessarily associate that with us or we don't want people to know that about us. And that can only be pride. Why, wh Paul says, kind of looking back, I think this is in Romans 6 where he says, you know, what, things did you, what, what did you benefit from those things of which you're now ashamed? The end of those things was death. And whether you were a rule-keeping robot who thought you could earn your salvation by being self-righteous and being better than everyone else, or a rule-breaking rule rebel who just, you know, lived in total destruction that was easier to see from a societal standpoint, and either way, you were far from God, and neither of those things is, is anything to be proud of. And the story is, God had mercy on me. He had pity on me. I was pitiful, and God had mercy on me. Well, some people sometimes think, well, what, what about confidentiality? I mean, 
I thought this was like a personal thing, me and Jesus, just me and Jesus. And um, I think that sometimes we mix up the, like, the, the difference between something being personal and something being private. Uh, Jesus isn't, I mean, when you, you go through the series, it's incredibly personal how he heals people and encounters people and, and, and delivers people. And what he says, and it's just, it's so beautiful. It's, it's, it's so beautiful. It's like he knows, he knows exactly what to say to that person in that moment. It's incredibly personal. It's just never private. Um, it's not like going to an embarrassing clinic, you know, like for something to get checked out. You're like, I got to go way out of town kind of thing. This is, this is not that sort of situation. My analogies are basically never appropriate, so I apologize for that. <laughs> but they make sense in my head. Um, but that idea that, like, I hope nobody finds out, that's not what this should feel like. This is just me and Jesus, and it's just a big old secret. No, that, that is not what this should feel like. People had gathered from all over the place. To, to, there was this massive opportunity. The whole city and the whole country had found out about this guy. What's he want to do? Get in a boat and leave. And Jesus is like, no, you got work here to do. Go tell them what happened to you. I, I think our stories are meant to go viral. The stories of what Jesus does for us are, are meant to just, just be spread everywhere we go. We should be quickly telling and we're good at saying other things. We're good at like, here's four spiritual laws, and here's this, and here's that, and here's another great story. But like, hey, what if it was, what, what if like, what if we, we on, a, on, what if most often what we were doing was saying, hey, can I tell you what happened to me? Can I tell you what, just what a mess I was, what a train wreck I was, and how God had mercy on me? It's just so different. And it, it's not supposed to be confidential. Um, I used this analogy before. Imagine like, uh, imagine like you, you get engaged. Say you're here, you're, you're a lady, you get engaged, you're, you're big moment, you're very proud, and, uh, and then your newly, um, you know, your new fiance says, hey, by the way, it's going to be our little secret. Shh. Don't post it. Don't, don't, I mean, just don't need the ring on Instagram. I mean, we don't want to be those people, and nobody's got to know. This is our secret love, or something like that. Give me some red flags, because that's weird. You should be proud. <laughs> you should be proud of this big moment in your life. And, um, and I think in some ways, it's just weird to me how we, we say, yeah, Jesus saved me. It's amazing. I was dead. Now I'm alive. I was blind. Now I see. Hallelujah. I don't want anybody to find that out, though. We could just, just keep that on the DL. That'd be great, you know? Um, that's just weird. It, it's just weird. We're not meant to have these little private encounters with Jesus that result in us being set free and no one else finding out. So we get to see how this guy responds. It's pretty amazing. Um, it says, he went away and began to proclaim. And that means to announce or to, or to declare. He wasn't shy about it. This is like this imagery. This dude's beating doors down going, you got to hear what happened to me. Hey, I know I've kept your kids up for years, you know, freaking out in the middle of the night. That was me. I'm that guy. Look at all these cut marks on my arms and legs. Yeah, I was the guy. Jesus set me free. He had pity on me. He had mercy on me. He set me. He's changed my whole life. I just wanted to tell you that next house. Boom, boom, boom. Like that's the analogy we get. That, that, that's the illustration that we get here. He, he goes and he begins to declare this thing, to proclaim this thing, to announce this thing. Everywhere he goes, the story is, I was a mess and Jesus had mercy on me. And so when Jesus encounters us, there's a sense in which we're meant to become these people who talk about it. And the result is everyone marveled, verse 20. Everyone is just blown away. I mean, there's a mix of speculation, no doubt. Are we sure? 
well, kind of sure. Look at him. That's the guy. It's amazing. I don't know. But, but some people were just undone. Maybe you're thinking, I don't really see me in the story. Well, there's some more folks here. Um, there's this crowd. And, um, you know, the, these, everybody else in the story but Jesus, everyone else in the story, they valued the, the pigs more than this man. Uh, to them, the headline of the story was, pigs dead, not demon-possessed, crazy, naked guy, set free. So the headlines, they had it all screwed up. Pigs dead. Um, and now you know, Jesus comes here, and, and, and instead of being thankful, thank you, Jesus, for what you did, this is incredible, they're terrified. It says they were afraid. They're afraid. They, they, they're, they're, they're threatened now. because See, this guy is easy to kind of walk around. He's easy to avoid. He's easily dismissible. But, but Jesus now, you know, through what happened with the pigs, we, all of a sudden, what if Jesus, what if, it's, what, if, what if it's my pigs next? What if it's not the pig? What if it's the cow? What if it's, our, it's like he, he threatens to affect to every, every facet of, the, of their lives. He just showed up and 2,000 pigs are dead. We need to get this guy out of here, right? Um, no one's gathered around congratulating this guy. No one's thanking Jesus for helping him. Nobody wants to be the crowd, but they look a lot like, um, they look a lot like the attitude of a lot of existing Christians when, um, when Jesus shows up and things start getting messy. And, um, and that's, that's what, I mean, the, the church should be messy. Mission, the mission of Jesus is messy. Um, and sometimes, you know, we pray for these things to happen. You know, we pray, God, just set people free, and we want to just hear story after story, people being liberated from heroin, and we want to see people getting rescued from human trafficking. We want to see all these, yes, Lord, do it, do it. And then it happens, we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What did it mean here? You know, like, somewhere else, Jesus, anywhere else, you know? It's messing with my life, you know? It's, it's inconveniencing me. Is, is, this, is this really what we're supposed to be doing? Yes. Does it have to be our church? Yes. That's what, that's what the church is supposed to feel like. This is happening all the time. Now, some of us, what I've noticed is we're very happy for it to happen when we scheduled it properly, right? So we love this kind of stuff on a mission trip because that's, we, you know, we went prepared for that. We raised money. We're ready. Here we go. Um, or, you know, if we do an outreach, oh yeah, here we go. Let's just psych ourselves up. Let's do this, baby. But, but, but part of everyday life, not so much. And the problem is that Jesus didn't go on mission trips and do little, you know, outreaches that's not where it was limited for him. Everywhere Jesus went, he couldn't get water. He couldn't go on a boat ride. He couldn't do anything without stuff like this going on. And so our, if we're supposed to look like Jesus, this should be full of just nonstop interruptions of just messy people getting encountered by Jesus. Um, they began to, de to beg Jesus to depart from their region. It's got to be one of the saddest verses in the whole Bible. And I, I don't know what they were thinking. All I can imagine is they thought that his work there was done. 
And I don't think anyone here would go at a prayer meeting, hey guys, I've got a Bible verse, I really think it's, let's just all beg Jesus together to depart from our region, let's just do that. So everybody with me here, let's just pray that out. Nobody would, that would be like, whoa, time out, something's wrong. That's not the kind of Bible verse we want to be praying, you know? Um, but, but subconsciously, we might pray those kinds of prayers. I got to serve now. Oh, we got to go to two services, and now they want me to serve in the kids' ministry. This is, this is not what I signed up for. That, that, that is, in a way, us beginning to beg Jesus to depart from our region. I noticed this through the years at One Harbor. I mean, just to kind of get personal with you, we just grew and grew and grew, and we would pray in the beginning, oh, God, save our friends and grow. And we didn't want to be, you know, we don't want to be big for the sake of being big. That's stupid. But we, the need is so big. God, help us reach our town. And, um, and then as it grew, people just were like, nope, see ya. That is, in a way, it's, it's, it's wishing that Jesus would just move along. And that might be in you. You might not even realize it. And I think what these guys needed to do was say, hey, Jesus, me next. Me next. Just line up and say, Jesus, me next. I need you to. But a lot of us, we, we forget our own need of Jesus. And so this messy mission of Jesus, it's all around us. But, but man, we've got to remember that we need Jesus too. Who are you in this story? Um, maybe you're part of the crowd. You're existing Christians uh, here in the room today, and um, you are praying that God would really impact this community. You're excited for that, and simultaneously you're like, they took my seat. <laughs> oh, don't even think about asking me to serve. That kind of stuff, you know? I'll give you money, but I am not going to interact with somebody like those people or whatever that is. Man, You are, you're a pitiful person who needed mercy and grace, period. None of us are more pitiful or less pitiful than anyone else. All of us need mercy and grace just as much. Just for some people, it's easier to see. I would really encourage you to just remember that. Remember the, the, how much you needed Jesus and how much you still need him. Maybe you're like that guy before he met Jesus and you're in a really tragic, hard situation this morning and Again, you're, you know, you're doing the church thing, cover it up, you know, um, hide it from everybody. Don't let anybody see what's really going on inside of you. Man, like, that doesn't make things better, it makes it worse. And this isn't, you know, one of the values we've got at One Harbor, at the church I lead, is that we want to be a hard place for people to pretend. Um, we want it to be difficult for people to pretend because it's just, that's not what this is about. This is about encountering Jesus and being changed by him. And so if you're here and you don't yet know Jesus, I mean, there's this great Bible verse, Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, where Jesus says, come to me, just come to me, all who are weary, heavily burdened. He says, I will give you rest. And maybe you're like, well, I don't have all my questions answered yet. You know, I don't have all mine answered either. You'll get more answers along the way. You probably never get all of them. But right now, the invitation is just to come to him, just to surrender to him, like I said, you, you don't know everything, but man, he's better than you think. <laughs> I can tell you that. I mean, this, this story and all these ones you're looking at in the series, it's just amazing how good Jesus is. So here in just a minute, we'll give you an opportunity if that's you just to come chat about what that would look like. Um, maybe you're like the, the guy who um, 
He'd been saved by Jesus, and he's kind of going, what do I do now, you know? Um, I think for all of us, this is a good reminder of this passage is that and we have a mission, and, um, and that mission means lots of things. You know, it's being part of a church. It's giving. It's serving. It's, it's going. It's doing all kinds of things, but it, it's also at least um, telling our story, the story of how we received mercy, how we were pitiful, and we received mercy. And the best audience to tell that to is your own family and friends. You should tell that to strangers, but sometimes that's easier because those people don't know you. Like, it's, it, when you go on a mission trip, you turn into, like, Billy Graham. You're like, watch out, everybody. I got this, you know? Um, but sometimes it's hard to tell your friends, hey, can I tell you, like, how sin had the best of me? Can I tell you, like, just, that's hard. But that, that's what we should be doing. Letting people look in and see how incredible Jesus is by how he's had mercy and pity on people like us. Um, as um, the guys come up and we get ready to respond now, we're going to take communion. And um, so why do we take communion? Well, it's a really great opportunity to remember Jesus. Um, you know, otherwise, subconsciously what this can feel like is, okay, hands in the middle, go monument on three. One, two, three, go monument. No, like we, we need to remember Jesus. And um, Jesus told us to take communion in remembrance of him, which kind of gets at we're prone to forget. It's easy for us to forget that this is what we needed, body broken, blood shed of Jesus. But we're told to remember this. And um, I alluded to this in the message, but some of you guys are wondering, like, well, I, if I had a story, like a bunch of pigs died and I had demons and blah, blah, blah. Oh, man, I'd tell that from the rooftop. You know, you better believe it. Um, you and I have better than that. Yeah, we don't have thousands of pigs die, but we have Jesus, the sinless, spotless son of God who died in our place nailed to a bloody cross built for criminals like me and you. Second Corinthians 5.21 says that, that God made him to be sin, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He exchanged his perfect record. This wasn't pigs. This was God's only son. That's what we have. This is the story we have. It's better than a bunch of pigs went down a hill. This is our story, that, that, that the son of God died in our place. Why, why is it so easy for Jesus to send somebody's pigs over a hill? Well, Jesus knows around, just around the corner there's a day coming where it's going to be him all by himself. He's going to go die in our place. And so when we come and take communion, this is us remembering what Jesus was willing to do for us. He was willing to give his own body, his own blood. He was willing to give all that for us. And that he, he, he delivers us from our sin. He has pity on us. He, he brings us from death to life. He fills us with his spirit and he sends us by his spirit with this message of grace of how he's changed us into the world all around us. And so I love this, the, the, the ritual of what we're doing now. We're gonna come and take, come and remember, but then we're all gonna like leave and we're gonna spread out like vines all over this community. And it would, I mean, in every different direction. And when we go, we're going with this, this message of grace and mercy. Look what Jesus has done for us. And there are people all around me and you who need to hear it. If you go to a restaurant today, that person bringing you food needs to hear it. Everywhere you look, there are going to be people who need to hear the story. And so we come and remember, and we go, and we, and, we, and we proclaim, and we declare this story. So let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you for 
um, this time to be together. Thank you for uh, these incredible stories of what it looked like to encounter you. We don't have to go, well, I wonder what that would have been like. We see again and again and again what it was like, and it's beautiful and it's amazing. But it calls us to, to think about things that we, we don't want to think about. It, it challenges things in us that we wish weren't there, that we don't want to change. But it gives us hope in, in the face of hopelessness, and it, it gives us a sense of purpose and mission on, on this earth. And so, Jesus, I pray that um, as we consider what it looked like for this man to be encountered by you, that, that each of us now would encounter you, that we come and we behold you, body broken, bloodshed, mercy, grace poured out for us, love for us. And then we go out of this, 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 this room today and we go with a sense of purpose. I know what my job is. I, I know that I have a story of, of, I've received mercy and grace and I, my job is to go and tell it. My job is to go and proclaim it and to talk about what you have done for me. I pray Jesus that you would continue to add to the, this church's number day by day, those who are being saved as the stories go viral all around us of what you've done for us, I pray that this church would, um, would see more and more people coming to the knowledge of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.